Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Acton, Acton, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, James Holland. And I'm on my own again because I'm still over in the United States and I've come to Bedford, Virginia. And um, it's a beautiful part of the US. You've got the kind of sort of blue-gray Appalachian mountains and hills in the background. It's a gorgeous sunny day. It's just a, a hint of the fall, as they call it over here, the sort of trees just starting to turn. And this is the national... Um, D-Day Memorial here in this most unlikely place. Of course, once one knows the story, it's not quite so unlikely, but but it's incredible to be here. And I'm joined by Mitchell Gahan, um, Sandra Paris, and a very British Stuart Jones. Um, but um, thank you very much, all of you, for, for getting here. And and just tell me the story. I mean, how did this, this place come about? Yeah, I mean, so the memorial itself was uh, founded by the National D-Day Memorial Foundation, which was created by a man named Bob Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yes, is, yes, 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 yeah, yes. No him. the first stop on our tour is actually a bust of Bob Slaughter, uh, mm. and we tell visitors the story of him, which is essentially um, he joined the National Guard when he was a young man, was not really planning on having long military service, but the course of world events had a different, uh, a different idea for him. Uh, once the National Guard was nationalized uh, during World War II, he served throughout World War II, landed on Omaha Beach, served throughout Europe, yep. two bronze stars, two purple hearts for his service, mm-hmm. came back, lived a normal life, um, wasn't... Because yeah. he was a he was something like a platoon sergeant, wasn't he? He was like 19 uh, he, or something, he, he was, was incredibly yeah, young. Yeah, very young. And actually, he was based just just around the corner from where I live, um, at the Blanford camp, Oh yeah, just before yeah, D-Day. Yeah. And that's, you know, it was a crow flight, it's yeah. probably about 10 miles from where yeah. I live. And when he came back and was, you know, living his life, living a normal life, he um, aged, had a family, had a job. And then when he retired and got older, he realized that uh, a lot of his fellow veterans from D-Day you know, were passing away. It mm-hmm. wasn't really being talked about in schools the way he would have liked to have seen. Um, not that it wasn't mentioned, but the, the weight of it and the sacrifice of it wasn't being brought up to the way he thought it should be. Um, and so he created the National D-Day Memorial to find somewhere to put some sort of memorial. And his original plan was pretty small, just a statue or a plaque somewhere. Originally, they thought uh, Roanoke because he was from Roanoke and yes. that didn't work out. Uh, and then this town of Bedford reached out to him and said, you know, we know that you're looking for a place to put a memorial and we have a very serious connection with D-Day. And so we would like to give you, I believe it's the highest spot in the town of Bedford to put up some sort of memorial. So it went from a, uh, just a memorial or just a statue or a plaque to an entire hilltop to put some sort of memorial. And obviously, um, Sandra kind of putting on a, creating a memorial like this is, you you can't do it for a couple of bucks. I mean, it's, it's raising the money is quite a, quite a process. So how did that come about? Well, Mr. Slaughter and others, on the board, they um, reached out to different people 
Uh, if you know anything about the Peanuts cartoon. Of course, Charles yeah, Charles Schultz M. Schultz. Was a large contributor mm-hmm. uh, towards oh. the memorial as well as others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I know he was in the army in the, in the war. <laughs> yeah. And every year, I mean, that's these are questions better suited, I guess, for our uh, development department. But they uh, every year we're having new people that are uh, putting forward their own money to improve or increase or build some new thing on the site. So we are constantly having new things put in. Um, a walking trail is going to be put in in the next nice. couple of months. We are putting in a garden for the uh, men that won medals of honors on D-Day. And so mm. it's people are constantly contributing to make this a bigger and better site every year. That's just fantastic, isn't it? At some point, we'll have a motor pool yeah. for mm-hmm. World War II vehicles that have been donated to us. Yeah, right. And eventually, an education center in the design right. of a French village. Yeah. Oh, how brilliant. Yeah. Yes, because, I mean, for the vast majority of people, it's not so easy to just sort of, you know, hop over to England and then go to <laughs> France or whatever and, yeah. and, and get on the ferry to, to Normandy and go and look at Omaha Beach or wherever. I mean, yeah. you know, so to have somewhere actually in the U.S. where you can sort of focus commemoration, I think, is a, is a, is a brilliant idea. And Bedford, of course, the Bedford boys, uh, um, that sort of tragic story. I mean, how many people from Bedford were killed on D-Day? Well, um, uh, 21 were killed on D-Day, 19 um, from the 116th um, Regiment, uh, Company A, who were basically the part of the Virginia Guard in in Bedford. Um, But there were two others as well who weren't part of that um, group who were killed as well. So it's 21 in total. but, and from yeah. a small town like Bedford, that's a big hit. Isn't it was the uh, highest per capita loss of any town or city in America, mm-hmm. which is why Bedford are so we're so keen to have the memorial here in the first place. So, what's the time frame on this? I mean, when when did uh, when did Bob Sorter first come up with his idea, and when when did this open to the public? I believe he started the Memorial Foundation in the eighties. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the plan to get it approved as the National D-Day Memorial came about in the 90s. I think it was Bill Clinton, President uh, Clinton, that made it the National D-Day Memorial. Mm -hmm. And ground was broken, and it was dedicated, I believe, on uh, June 6th, 2001. Mm. Yeah. So we just, last year, we celebrated our 20th uh, anniversary of being in in business. That's amazing. And how long have you both been involved with it then? (laughs) Uh, I have. I'm actually relatively new. Um, I started. Well, you look like a like a youngster <laughs> to me. I started in March. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm relatively new. Um, but I mean, Sandra, you've. I've been an employee for six years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you both live in Bedford. I'm Lynchburg. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I live. I live in Lynchburg. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Right. 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 And this is, um, I mean, you know, this is a historic part of America anyway, isn't it? You know, the Civil War raged through here and it's one of the kind of original 13 colonies and all the rest of it. So, you know, it's not like you haven't got history here in this part of Virginia. Yeah, I think um, I do a lot of the school groups will have, uh, you know, thousands of school kids every uh, year come through on school trips. And um, that's uh, a lot of times they'll do a day trip to Appomattox, which is yes, 40 course. minutes away. They'll visit yep. there and then they get to come down and learn about a war that happened, you know, almost a hundred years distant. And they're sort of shocked. A lot of these kids, even though they're from this area, don't necessarily know that 
they have this resource essentially mm-hmm. uh, so close to them. And so it's always interesting, these kids that, you know, they go to Jamestown, they go to Appomattox, uh, they go to Fredericksburg to learn about this history. Um, and they don't realize this also super important history that is so close to them that is related to a completely different conflict. Oh, I've got to say, Mitchell, you're the first person to say it's kind of nearly 100 years ago. And of course, I've just never thought of it like that because, you know, you sort of grow up in the Second World War and the shadow of the Second World War. But, you know, you're right. You know, it's kind of, we're coming up to 80 years and that's nearly a century. I mean, it's a, it's a long old time ago now. It's it's amazing. You know, the number of veterans are are getting very, very... Um, thin and far between. And I mean, I guess here you must have had, obviously with, with Bob Slaughter, but you must have had an amazing contact with, with veterans here at the, at the memorial. And, and again, I, I mean, it must be quite traumatic for all the people here that, that there's hardly any left now. Yeah, I know um, John, our director of education, he's been here for quite some time, and he'll talk about all the different veterans that he has, um, he's worked with, he's talked with, how it used to be um, when the memorial was in its infancy, instead of having these buildings that we're sitting in now that are shaped like Quonset huts, they used Mm. to be trailers, essentially, and they have veterans sitting on the porches, and you could just come up and talk to one of them, and now they'd come for anniversaries, and there'd be, you know, you know, tens and tens of them. And now it's, you know, I think we had three on Memorial right. Day. I think Lucky. we had three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we have um, veterans that are from that, that time period that are able to give their time and able to travel. We have a um, Marine that was part of the occupying uh, troops in Germany right. that right. still, um, he comes and speaks to our school groups. And so we're still very lucky to be in contact with them, but it is, it is a resource that we are, slowly losing and in the next couple of years we will only have you know the memoirs the letters the interviews that we have had with them we won't have them themselves yeah and tell me when um in terms of education in the u.s i mean do do school kids learn about world war ii or 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 is it i mean because in in britain you know primary school you do i think you do a little bit on kind of evacuations and the blitz and that kind of stuff but it's it's just very kind of lightly done. Um, at secondary school, there's not much on the Second World War at all. There's lots on the Holocaust and, you know, the rise of the Nazis and all that kind of stuff, but but not the actual Second World War. I mean, no one studies D-Day at school at all. I mean, is that the case over here? Um, and I, I can give my answer, and Stuart, your wife is a teacher, I she believe, is, yeah. so you can, you can uh, give me her experience as well, I guess. Um, so the United States, it depends a lot on which state that you're in. Right. Each state sometimes will have its com- a completely different educational standard. Right. And so in Virginia, there are these things called the SOLs, um, so a specific type of teaching curriculum that exists in Virginia. Yep. Um, in grade school, it focuses a lot on Virginia history, and so they'll go to places like Jamestown and Appomattox, take, take advantage of these local historical sites that they have, and there's a lot of emphasis on um, the colonial period and yeah. uh, Reconstruction era. Um, and rightfully so. It's very important to uh, Virginia. But in places like Pennsylvania, where are, there are the Keystones, mm-hmm. um, or elsewhere in the United States where they have their own set of curriculum, um, they could focus on different things. Um, but usually when they start getting into middle and high school is when they start focusing a little bit more on sort of world history. Um, they won't have a whole class dedicated to um, D-Day or World War II unless it's a, an elective that they might choose to take. Um, but they will usually spend the second half 
of the year talking about more recent events. So like 1900s to present, which normally means the 1980s because uh, uh, history teachers sometimes move a bit slow. So they'll talk about World War II, um, but it's a lot of the social aspects of it, how it came to be. Um, they'll probably spend uh, 30 minutes one day maybe talking about D-Day, if that, but it's not normally a focus necessarily. As Mitchell says, my wife is a, a, a history teacher in uh, one of the local high schools, and um, they they bring their 10th graders up here. Mm -hmm. They do two, um, two visits a year yeah. up to the memorial. Um, and I think for most of World War II, they spend maybe one, maybe two days on it right in the whole of the, of the, the year. Um, that's for 10th graders, so what's that, uh, 16, 15, 16 yeah. years old? Um, and that's about all they cover because... As Mitchell said, the, the curriculum such that they have to cram in a lot of information into a very short period of sure. time. Um, they do a, a, an elective college course where they go into a little bit more depth, but um, certainly not as much. I mean, on one level, I kind of you know, you sort of think, what a shame. But on another on another level, I suppose Second World War is 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 in history is a subject that you study at school that you're most likely to come back to later on in life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a teenager, you're the horizons are pretty narrow and your worldview is pretty narrow. And then as you get older, you some, you start to kind of think a bit more about your place in the big white world. Yeah. And you start getting a bit more interested in, in, you know, why we are where we are. And so that naturally leads you towards history. And, you know, it's very easy to pick up and, and, and learn about World War II later on in life. And, you know, people do video games and, yeah. and whatever and yeah. or, or watch a TV series yeah. or a documentary or a movie or whatever. And it just sort of, you know, sparks that interest. So I, I think I think as a subject matter, it's it's fortunate that there's so many other ways to come to it other than just the schoolroom. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily a bad bad thing, but I but I do think it's good that you have school visits here. I mean, yeah, terrific. I think that's uh, World War II as a subject has really latched onto our culture, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is I mean it makes sense. It's sort of this cataclysmic event. Sure. Um, and so it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, movies, Saving Private Ryan, shows, Band of Brothers, The Pacific, mm -hmm. they're probably going to be seen and watched for, you know, decades and decades. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you don't necessarily need to le learn everything about it when you're 15 or 16 years no, old because you don't appreciate it. And so it's more important, I think, that these kids know that they have these resources near them, like the D-Day Memorial. Um, or other places, the Marine uh, Museum, I believe, is up near D.C. Mm -hmm. um, in Virginia. And so they know that these resources are around them so they can later in life go back and learn more about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. And um, so, Stuart, we can have a little look around, can we? Yes, certainly. So, Stuart, we're kind of um, – it, it's done in a, in a circle, isn't it? Um, it, it Almost. Almost. Um, we, we, we go in a, in a certain way because there's three stages to the memorial itself. There's the planning stage, there's the invasion stage, and then there's the victory stage right. at, the, at the top. And it's, it's all on a north-south um, axis. So we've got the, uh, the planning stage in the north. Um, We're just going past a big uh, a, a street lamp with signs on it, memorial pavilion, Restrooms in Normandy, 3,853 miles away. That's 6,200 kilometers, which is just a reminder, isn't it, that, that you know, this is about as far removed from Omaha Beach as you could possibly get it, Absolutely, really. Yeah. 
So the we statues. Normally, we normally start here because this is the statue of of Bob Slaughter. Oh, is it? Okay, because um, I've so, I've only seen him as a kind of you know photographs of him as a young man. That's right. Yeah. So well, he does look very young. It has to be said. But <laughs> tall does. wasn't he? Very tall. He was six foot four. Yeah. Um, and he joined the National Virginia National Guard D Company, the hundred um, sixteenth, at the age of fifteen. So, um, and it was, uh, I think he was conscripted at the age of 16. So, yep. um, and it wasn't long after that, that um, he ended up on a ship across to, to Britain to yeah. do all his training. Um, and his first, um, he, his first walk into the enemy was on D-Day itself. When yeah, he absolutely. Onto o- Omaha beach yep. at the age of 19. And a sergeant by a that sergeant stage. By so that he's stage. obviously a natural leader of men, natural authority, despite his youth. Yeah, his memoir is brilliant, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, I've read that a few times now. Omaha Beach and beyond. It's uh, it's a good read. Yeah. So we go down here. We go these uh, cherry trees all the way down here. Yeah, leaves falling off already. Uh, God, it's absolutely beautiful um, during spring. Yeah. Um, there's a hundred. Well, there, have we still got 116, or is it down to 115 now? Approximately, there's, it's, it's supposed to be 116 cherry trees here. Oh, for, how lovely! What a nice um, idea for the um, 116th yep. um, regiment. Um, Part so, of the 29th Infantry Division. Yes, um, and th- what we normally do then is we go down to the stamage, the the, um, the statue down here, which is homage. Okay, um, and uh, we talk about the Bedford Boys. Oh, well, let's do that then. So we do tours around here every every hour. Whenever, oh, right. Okay. We come up. So I should just say we're just walking past it. Actually, we're now back to 116 cherry yeah. trees. We've just <laughs> there's a, a there's a new fresh one growing strong in this gorgeous autumn sunlight. So sorry, this statue here is it's called homage. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't uh, it? It's a, a statue made um, sculpted by um, the sculptor Jim Brothers. This was the final one he did for us um, before, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, but the majority of the statues here by one are, are by Jim Brothers. Um, oh, it's absolutely stunning. I, I should just say it's a, it's um, it's a GI, and he's he's sort of looking down at a at a, a, a rifle that's been planted in the ground with a helmet on, obviously to mark a grave. He's got his own helmet, sort of stuck to you know resting against his thigh, his garand on his shoulder, looking kind of pensive. And what you'll notice about this statue in particular, the, the temporary grave marker here, um, yep. normally they would have the dog tag on the rifle itself, um, yep. but there's, there's no, deliberately there's no dog tag on this rifle. You don't want to name um, him. Because they want to, uh, there were many soldiers who were missing in action, who were right. washed out to sea or were sunk with their ships or, or whatever. So this was a shout out to all those who were missing in action. Right. Um, so... Um, Around the base of the um, the statue is the, um, the the description of the Bedford Boys. Yep. Um, the so tell Bedford me about Boys. them. Tell me so about the Bedford them. Boys were the Bedford was a very small sort of farm village uh, town of about three thousand two hundred uh, so people. Tiny, tiny, and um, obviously during the Great um, Depression um, in the thirties, a lot of the young men joined the Virginia National Guard just purely because every time they paraded, they got a dollar. And that, that money put food on the table, yeah, allowed course. them to do other things, go to the, to the movies and put gas in their, their, their yeah, vehicles yeah. and stuff like that. So it was very important. Unfortunately, during that time, what happened when they were conscripted, they were conscripted as a whole group. And they ended up going and fighting as together, which is why... Um, um, they, and they all joined the 116th. They all joined the 116th. Part of the 29th. Company. 
uh, Infantry uh, Division. Yeah, um, which was part of the Virginia National Guard. Yeah. Um, so, of course, by the time they get to D-Day, they trained so well that they were given the dubious honour of being one of the first um, regiments onto the beach. Yeah, and, yeah, and they're yeah. heading towards the Verville draw, and you know that's one of the, kind of the, the one of the two great hotspots, of course, on yeah. on Omaha Beach. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that that you know we're so conditioned now by by that opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. I mean, I think it's important to kind of recognise that that it's it's not like that across the board of of Omaha Beach. You know, it's a bit of kind of five mile stretch, and there's lots of bits where you know even men from the 29th Infantry Division are getting across the beach about hardly any casualties at all yeah. but if you're at those main exit points on the beach the two rows leading up to Colville and the village of Verville obviously they're more heavily defended yeah. and that's where in the initial waves at 6.30am on the 6th of June that's where the kind of the slaughter happens yeah. and that's the misfortune of Absolutely. A Company of the yeah. 116th and you know whole landing craft are being killed uh, all the people the occupants of the landing craft are being killed because you know a single mortar round goes in it's got nowhere to go it's just this it's mm-hmm. contained in this kind of metal yeah. metal tin and of course it gets everybody yeah. yeah yeah that's uh bob slaughter his experience coming through the beaches i think he said he fired his gun once accidentally into the sand and so he is a relatively easy i mean it's awful but quote unquote easy time getting up the beaches sure. and then uh, last week i was transcribing um a uh, map that one of the one of the Bedford boys wrote that survived and he wrote about his experiences and we have the map in our education hut but transcribing his notes on the map and when you read his notes he's uh, he'll say I saw this person die here I saw this person die here and so wow. it's the experiences on just a small stretch of the beach mm-hmm. itself is completely different yeah um, yeah it's insane to think about I mean it, it just it's reminding me of the pals battalions which of course you'll know about but but, but um, back in the first world war yeah. Um, in Britain, they, they, you know, when they suddenly realized they had to kind of conscript in a massive, massive way, mm-hmm. they encouraged the idea that you join up together with, with your, your pals, yeah. you know, your friends, you know, whether it be the Manchester pals or whether it be the... I think the Sandringham you know, Regiment, didn't they? They lost almost all the staff from the Queen's, uh, the, from the King's... Um, yep. Um, Sandringham House. Um, mm, that's right. Because yeah. they all joined up together. Yeah, all in the Royal Norfolk, weren't yeah. they? They were sent to Gallipoli, I think. They were. And all yeah. that slaughtered. Yeah, so it's, it's a, you know, the Bever Boys just sort of reminds me of, of those Pals battalions, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very, very similar. And as I say, 21 in total died of a, of a total of 3,200. So it's the highest per capita yeah, loss yeah, yeah. of any yeah. town in, the, in, in America. Um, and of course, down in Bedford itself, you've got Green's um, drugstore. drugstore, which is where the telegraph office was, and that's where all the telegrams came right. in on July. And that's still there, is it? Seventeenth, I think, nineteen forty-four. Some, yeah. some yeah, six took, weeks afterwards. Yeah, it took a long time before they even yeah. six weeks before yeah. they even knew that who was who was gone. And yeah. they weren't. A lot of the parents and a lot of the families weren't even aware that they'd taken part in D-Day. So they may have heard about D-Day, but not realised that that's what they were they were taking part in. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it took six weeks. And, and God, the, it must have um, just devastated the town, didn't it? Oh, yes, yes. Um, and the poor young girl who um, received all the telegrams, um, she was friends with a lot of them. She'd been to school with a lot of them. Oh, so goodness me. Friends and families that, that she knew who were going through this, this whole loss. And it is still there. Green's... Um, yeah, story is still there. I think it's a museum. To it's the been Bedford converted Boys. to a yeah. tribute center for the Bedford Boys. Yeah. Oh, I might have to go yeah. down there yeah. after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure Ken would love to talk to you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on the other side as well, there's some um, bits about the French Medal of Honor as well, which um, a lot of the veterans were awarded um, when they uh, when they after the um, the event itself. 
which is around on this side. Right. It's a stunning statue, isn't it? It is. So what we normally do then is we go down into the planning stage uh, right. of the memorial, which is set out at, like an English garden because um, Cossack and Shape um, were all planned in and around London and the, um, the yep. south coast. Um, so um, we, we go into uh, the garden and we start explaining um, the um, the staff members of the um, uh, the, the main instigators really of d-day right and, and their staff and and eisenhower on the either side of the archway we've got um we've got statues down here of roosevelt on the left oh very good on the very far side we've got statue a statue of um, churchill as well you can just see excellent through there fully approve of that <laughs> and Stuart, tell me your story i mean how did you wind up in bedford well um, not okay. Bedford, not Bedford, Bedfordshire, but Bedford, Virginia. Absolutely. So I, I emigrated over to the States in 2018 um, when I married an American. Hmm. And um, So where, where, where's home back in England? Um, well, was I was it, born probably? in Birmingham. Yep. Um, and when I joined the Navy, I ended up down in Portsmouth and Plymouth and right. then spent a lot of time around the southeast, uh, the southwest really, around Cornwall, Somerset, and mm -hmm. places like that. And then I ended up settling in Surrey eventually. Right. Uh, just, just around Guildford area, about an hour west of, of London. So, um, and then you met your future wife? I met my future wife before I came over. Right. So um, we were already married before I, I came over. Mm -hmm. But she's, she's American. Um, and I, she'd always been a big fan of the memorial. She brought me up here um, well, probably back in about 2012, 2013. I fell in love with it. And so when I came over here, I wanted to volunteer somewhere, and this was the ideal place to volunteer. It's just such a beautiful place. And I love history. I'm a bit of a World War II nerd, so I, I do like it. I'm truly afflicted, which is what we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. So what we normally do is we go around the garden. We, we come around the front of the... Yes. Um, the um, I should say there's a, there's a sort of cupola or a kind of like, like a sort of temple with kind of Doric columns and... And then there's a kind of sort of a wall with brass plaques on and beautiful tended gardens and flower beds and whatnot. So if we go down into the garden, what you'll see is that the garden is set out yep. in the same way as the shape patch, which you can see up oh, the, yes, on of the top course. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for those who don't know it, there's a, there's a, um, it, it, it's like a shield with an upturned sword and there's kind of sort of the, Curves of a rainbow, almost, that's right. Yeah, uh, on the top, and, and a kind of sort of strip of blue, and that's that's the Shafe badge, and you see that on all the kind of official documents. Um, <laughs> and now that you say it, it all makes perfect sense. So we see so. that we've got the sword in the center here. Yes, with so the this flames is like a wall. Yeah, so, so it's done as, as a kind of, sort of wall with with sort of um, with pebbles for the for the uh, for the blade and for the hilt. There's another little flower bed. And then normally we've got the um, the rainbow at the at the top there, followed yes. by that blue area. Right. So, and then we've got all the sort of the, the main players. We've got um, Omar Bradley yep. um, here, who was um, obviously commanding the uh, American troops, some yep. seventy-seven thousand American troops. Mm -hmm. And we've got Admiral Ramsey. Yeah, good to see. One of the um, great heroes. Who was header, um, I looked at him. Yeah, Operation Neptune. Yeah. Um, so um, this is based on sort of that typical English garden that you would see at somewhere like Southwark House yes. or um, down at uh, Bushy Park. Um, so um, 
Uh, we've got Ramsey here. Obviously, he was in, uh, instrumental in Dunkirk as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So he was uh, an ideal person to, to take this on. With, he had somewhere between six and 7,000 ships and boats and landing craft and all kinds of things under his command. And then we've got second in command down there, um, Tedder. Yes, never far from his pipe and no. the, the statue has him clutching it, just sort of the stem of which is a, a mere inch or two away from his mouth. Um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? By 1944, you know, the, the, for the most part, the commanders are pretty top-notch. Um, I'm sure you've got Lee Mallory over there, but um, yes. he would be my exception. <laughs> um, but but all the others, I think, are, are, are pretty good. And Ramsey, of course, was, was an extraordinary leader, and, and it's his great tragedy that, that he was he killed on the very beginning of January 1945 and didn't survive it. If you want, we can go on through. Okay, yeah. Ike in the centre of the of the temple, effectively. This, um, this is another Jim Brothers um, sculpture, which is based on this photograph here. Ah, yes, yes. To when he's talking to the 101st Airborne. That's right. Yeah. You know, just so before they're about to Strobel, come on. Strobel there from the 101st. Yep. Um, and um, he's actually talking about fishing. Is that so? Believe it or not. I and, didn't know um, that. Eisenhower was a very keen fisherman. Right. And um, photograph was taken him um, mid-cast when he's talking Oh, I see. So that's what he's doing. So that's what he's doing. Yeah. How funny. And then also at the top here, we've got um, the This is the map. underside of the... So, so there's this sort of round cupola with columns, Ike in the middle. On the roof of it, you've got this lovely mosaic, kind of sort of Roman mosaic style of, of the map of Neptune going across... You know, the minefields off the different routes, the different beaches, southern England, timings, little clocks and stuff. It's really nicely done, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. And round the front here, we've got a lot of plaques that sort of explain a lot of stuff that happened that, that isn't, wasn't part of, of D-Day. So we talk about George Patton. Yes. And, and of course, Patton at the time during D-Day was sort of on the naughty step. He was um, he was in a little bit of trouble because of his antics. Yes, um, yes, yes, in Sicily. In Sicily. Um, so we always talk about Patton because people around here are always interested in why he didn't take part in D-Day. Yep. Obviously, he was part of Operation Fortitude, the, yep. um, the decoy mission, but also yes. he was raising the Third Army of course. as well. So um, we talk about Patton, we talk briefly about Operation Fortitude. Well, Pan's never too far away when you're talking about the kind of <laughs> Northwest Europe story, is he? Um, we talk about Cossack and, yep. and the plannings that, that Cossack that eventually became Shafe. Yep. Um, and we got the, the plaque to Shafe there. Yep. And we also talk about the 29th Rangers. And the 29th Rangers were a, a ranger battalion that um, were formed and trained. And actually, Bob Slaughter trained with the 29th Rangers up in Scotland for a while. And um, that training was, I think, invaluable. As you read in his memoirs, that became invaluable to him because of the extra training he did. But the 29th um, Rangers were disbanded before D-Day, so they never actually fought in D-Day, but a lot of the soldiers that had been trained were, were then put it back into their original regiments. And so Bob sort of joins the 160, then gets filtered out to join the 29th Rangers. The 29th Rangers then doesn't happen, so he goes back. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm presuming that's one of the reasons why he's a sergeant at 19. Yeah, a sergeant in a machine gun battalion, or yeah. not battalion, squad, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was well known for him being good 
at what he did yeah and it was recognized yeah, yeah. he was a nat- he was a natural warrior i guess yeah. you, you could say um exercise tiger. About exercise tiger and slaps and sands yes um and um that's a well-known um uh, event um leading up to d-day and but this last one this is good toy company chad valley toy company this now, is amazing obviously for members of um you know, people out in Britain, they'll have heard of, of Chad Valley quite a lot um, because most of our toys, certainly when I was growing up, were made by Chad Valley. Mm-hmm. Well, Chad Valley produced the map in Southwark House, in Southwark House as, a, as a form of a jigsaw puzzle, um, which was a, a brilliant idea. Yeah. And um, it is, it is yeah. um, rumoured that um, the people who built the jigsaw were invited to stay at Southwark House until after D-Day so that they didn't go into Southwark itself or out into the pubs of Britain and start talking about this invasion right. yeah. that was, was going to come up. So Chad Valley played a, an important part. Yeah. In and that. when you were down in Portsmouth Way, did, did you go there? Have you ever um, seen it? I have. I, I see. I was ex-Raw Navy and I went to Southwark Park quite a lot, yep. actually to play golf in the grounds. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise at the time that it was part of D-Day. <laughs> yeah. And then I was part. I was a police officer for 22 years, and I was with Hampshire Police. And one of their training camps was Southwark Park. Of course, yeah. Hmm. And um, again, I didn't realise at the time. The only, the only sort of pointer to it was that the village hall was called the D-Day Memorial Hall, and I didn't realise that at the time. So I've been to Southwark House a lot, <laughs> and, and it wasn't until I came here that I realised the connection. That's incredible. Uh, I recognise this fellow. Yes, yeah, so we've got the. Um, the British equivalent of Mont of um, Patton. Yes, it's actually a pretty good likeness of Monty. I have it to is. say, so mind you, I guess he's a bit easier, isn't he? You know, <laughs> the nose, the kind of the, the deep set eyes, and the kind of the moustache and the beret. So he was in charge of everyone, basically all the land forces. Yep, um, at one hundred fifty-six thousand in total. Um, so um, I think him, him and Eisenhower had a few conversations that were um, quite. Would have been quite interesting to be a, a fly on the wall with, um, but he was instrumental in the, in the planning. And then we go up to Lee Mallory. Yes, less less said about him the better, really. <laughs> um, so he had about eleven thousand aircraft gliders. And, yes, incredible, um, absolutely incredible. Tight under his his command, and um, I don't think him and Tedder really saw eye to eye either. Well, he's extraordinary. He's he's one of these guys that he he's sort of hovering around um, during the Battle of Britain, commanding um, twelve group, and then gets bumped up to eleven group when Dowding gets fired. And because Keith Park, who is a commander of eleven group, is is such a Dowding man, then you know he's got to move on as well. So he slips into that, and he doesn't have a foreign command, so overseas command like so many of the others, and so he's always there, and he just gets. Because he's there, because he's already in a high position, he just keeps getting bumped up and bumped up and bumped up. But, but you know, he, he left the RAF in the 1930s. He's actually become a, become a lawyer and then came back in, um, I think, in 1938, something like that. But, but he's extraordinary because, because he's pretty, you know, he's pretty alarmist in the run-up to D-Day. And, you know, what it needs is cool heads and calm heads and... He's very worried about the kind of you know potential slaughter of paratroopers yeah. and all the rest of it. And actually, you know that, that they all volunteered. You know that's what they're trained to yeah. do. And and getting hysterics and the heebie-jeebies is not really kind of the order of the day. And he gets very kind of frozen out very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, gets usurped by Cunningham, who's um, the, the 
second tactical air force yeah. commander mm. and, and of course he's working very closely with the ninth um air force which is mm. the, the american version um so he got, sort of gets a little bit squeezed out and like ramsey also gets killed in a, in a, yes. in a plane crash yeah of course he's the brother of the more famous george who's lost on everest in 1924 mm. or whenever it is yeah um so there's the last part of this um is uh walter beadle smith yeah great who was uh Eisenhower's chief of, uh, staff. chief of staff, known he as was, Beetle. Yes, he was given to um, Eisenhower by Roosevelt. Yeah, and he felt that he needed um, a barrier between um, most people and Eisenhower. So um, he um, he was given to him, very formidable person, yep. very capable um, officer. Um, so he was he was there as a as a brick wall, basically. Yeah, and and you know there's there's nothing but good you can say about him i mean mm. he's a, i think the only person who could ever get hands. past him was probably um, monty to be fair because <laughs> monty just even though he was small just sort of well forced his way past had that way about him didn't he we're going to take a quick break we'll be back shortly see you in a moment I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kaye, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. So when we come up towards the arch, you know, towards the plaza. You know, yeah, so there's a, sort of, there's a sort of balustrade and, and the set of steps going upwards. Um, lots of brass plaques along here. So we're now split east and west. So the, the, the um, obelisk, whatever you want to call it, is um, um, in, the, in the north. Yep. Um, and then we're going east and west. So on the east side, we've got all the um, um, 
the regiments and divisions um, who are landing on the landed on the um, British and Canadian. Yeah. So here we've got Third Infantry Division, Sixth Airborne, Third Canadian Infantry Division, Fiftieth Northumbrian, and then obviously the French Resistance. Yes, French forces of the interior. And we've got a plaque to, that talks about the Lend-Lease Agreement yep. that was very important. Um, well, did you know that thirty-one percent of all U.S. supplies in the ETA were provided by Britain? I didn't. So, know so, so Lend-Lease wasn't a kind of one-way thing. No, no. Um, but you know that includes. Airfields, runways, yeah. buildings, yes. Yes. you know, a, a lot of stuff. But but people always assume that it's just the United States that's just <laughs> doshing it out, doling it out. It actually kind of cut both ways a little bit. Obviously not in the same, you know, America's providing much more than anybody mm -hmm. else, but but even so. And then we got the order of the day. Yes. Which every every soldier, sailor and airman was, was given a copy of. Uh, yep. Many of them had um, got them signed by people um, who were either in their... Uh, aircraft or on their landing craft. Yeah. And Bob Slaughter actually got his signed by all of the people in his landing craft. Oh, really? And we have a picture of it. With all the signatures on. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah. I haven't got the one with the signatures on. That's in oh, the, well. um, sorry. No, well, uh, well, we, we the, can all um, imagine That's it. in our, um, our education hut. Yeah. Um, but everyone was given a copy of this. Um, it's a very well worded worded piece. And although obviously, you know, Eisenhower would have people to help him mm. write his speeches and all the rest of it. It's got Ike's kind of yeah. stamp on it, hasn't it? You know, yeah, you're yeah. about to embark on the Great Crusade, great crusade toward yeah. which we've striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. That's great. Yeah. It's really, you know. I think one of the incredible things, too, is um, one of the earlier in the summer, we had someone who was related to one of the people that signed Bob Slaughter's order oh, of the day okay. come and visit to oh. see someone that she was related to what they had signed. Right. And so it's, uh, it, you know, there's still people that are connected to this event that are able to yep. you know, learn things and take part in things that uh, we have in our archives and our collections. So yep. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And then everything on the, the right side the of the US side of things. The US side of things. And of course the twenty ninth. The blue and grey, which is this sort of ancient symbol, isn't it? The sort of um I said what would you call it? Like a, like two speech marks kind of side by side intertwined in a circle, kind of blue and grey, and that's the badge they would have had on their on their, their upper part of their sleeve. Constituted from the National Guard units of Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, and Washington, D.C., the 29th Infantry Division was activated on the 25th of August, 1917, etc., etc. Of first, which 116th. And it's yeah, the first time both sides of the Civil War came together to fight together as well. Since is that the, the blue War. and the gray? Yeah, yes. first combined. Do you uh, know what? Division. I didn't know that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's, uh, there was a, debate recently about whether or not they would change the symbol uh, for the division because technically it is connected to um, the Confederacy. Uh, and I think it was just recently decided that it would stick around. Yeah, um, so, I think yeah. It, uh, yeah it, you know, history is history, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You can't start rewriting yeah. it. The fourth division, of course, you know, got off lightly on D-Day, but but pretty much 100% casualties in rifle companies within two mm. weeks. Mm. And then, of course, we've got Rose of the Riveter. Quite right, uh, too. The American I'm, workers. How, yeah. how brilliant that you've got that up. <laughs> well, you know, it's, those, it's, it's, it's these who are, 
the home front yeah. that's in the factories producing all the Sherman tanks and, yeah. you know, and working I mean, the land and yeah. guns yeah. and ships yeah. and working the land. And, food. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And the whole garden, the whole garden is the Reynolds Garden, and it's named after uh, Reynolds of Reynolds Wrap aluminum foil fame because of how right. important uh, his advancements with creating aluminum were for the, the home front. So that's we like to recognize the sacrifices of the home front as well as the war front at yep. the memorial. Quite right, too. I'm, I think it's brilliant that you've got that up. It's easy to lose sight of it. Oh, here we are, the Richard S. Reynolds Senior Garden. Brilliant. I always come over to this wall um, because it's got um, plaques for all the, the different regiments that took part on D-Day, but it's also got the Omaha Beach landing. Yeah, and companies. On it. And it shows very clearly where the draws were, that they, the, which were their objectives, and where the machine gun nests were that were firing down on, onto them, but also shows the defences um, that were in the water to prevent the landing craft reaching the beaches in the first place. Um, and it shows all the different sec sectors of the beach along with um, the companies that were going in um, yep. and assaulting the beach. And as you said about Saving Private Ryan earlier, it says Dog Green and Omaha Beach right in those opening sectors. And you can see on that plaque, it's got Dog Green, which is exactly where a company, the Bedford Boys, were going in. Yeah, of course. And that's the D1 drawer and that's Verville. Yeah. And that's where you have the sort of particular concentration of um, of of strong points is Wiedestein Nesta, and you can you can see them all on this sort of brass brass map, and, and you can see the, the concentration cross, here. Yeah. So if you if you're if you're landing here, it's you, you're, you're kind of getting off comparatively lightly. But if you're here, yeah. absolutely, you know that's that's yeah. a different kettle of fish altogether. But it is important to make that distinction between you know it's it's not whole scale opening 20 minutes of Saving no. Private Ryan across the whole of Omaha Beach. It's just at those particular bits, and particularly, of course, in the in the opening moments of D-Day and that opening kind of half hour or so. Mm. That's that's when it's kind of really bad. That's when that slaughter's taking place. And, of course, you know, there's a company right up right front, the way, yeah. you know, on the first first touching down at kind of 6, 6.30 in the morning. Mm. And, and that's that's their tragedy. But of course, you've also got to remember that you've got a huge number of warships. You know, there's something like 183 guns of over 90 millimeter caliber, that yeah. excluding kind of um, and light anti-aircraft guns, which are yeah. kind of being turned horizontally. And they're raining in all the time on these, yeah. these German positions. And, you know, if you're a German in one of those bunkers, you know, all the oh, time, it's like yeah. crashing yeah. in around you, dust, smoke, choking yeah. fumes, all the rest of it. You know, so you can't be... You can't be ducking your head down and firing a machine gun at the same time. No. Um, no. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting is, is, you know, sort of good work's been done on exactly what weapons they had. And although in Saving Private Ryan, you've got lots of MG42s, this kind of incredibly rapid firing machine yeah. gun. Actually, there's a, there's a thought that it wasn't a single MG42 in the whole, whole beach. What they were is sort of older 08s, M08s, which is the old hmm. Maxim gun, oh, but actually much more effective as killing weapons. But, you know, a, a, an MG42 can fire at whatever it is, 1,400 rounds a minute, which yeah, is brilliant in an opening yeah. opening. Yeah, uh, you know, in an ambush situation, you know, putting down a huge amount of lead. But but actually, what you want is a methodical, do, 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 where it's just just can keep going, water cooled. Mm -hmm. You don't need mm -hmm. to stop. Whereas with an MG forty two, you can only fire kind of short bursts yeah. at a time. Yeah. Mm. Um, and of course, that's why you know there's there's combination of that and mortars, which is why why there's such a slaughter and on those particular strong points, kind of sort of here, yeah, and here. But yeah, I mean. Shocking, shocking the, for the Bedford boys, that's for sure. Yeah, and obviously they had to land at low tide so that they could avoid all the 
defences, uh, which meant the beach was longer. The beach hadn't been bombed the night before because the weather was so bad. And so a lot of things were going against um, a lot of the soldiers that were landing on the beach at yeah. the time, which is why it was as, as bad as it was. Mm. Yeah. So when yep. we move off here, and yep. when we come up here, we can see over the top and you can see the garden bed are laid out like that shape patch. Yes, I get that now. Um, yeah, that's it. you can see the, the Crusader's sword very clearly now, can't you? Oh, it's beautifully done. And so we come up onto the invasion stage. Yeah, so this is, is this supposed to be kind of like a, like a beach and yeah. this is supposed and landing to be, craft? This and... is supposed to be the English Channel. So yeah, we're nice. now stepping into the English Channel. So this is a big sort of round circular plaza, a wall with yet more plaques on. And... Well, I'll explain the wall as well, because the wall is our, uh, our necrology wall. Right. So on our left, as we're looking up at the arch, we've got all the, um, uh, the, the people who died, the soldiers, sailors and airmen who died from the Allied side. And on the right here, we've got all the Americans. Right. Um, to be on the wall, they had to have taken part in D-Day and died on D-Day. Right. So if they were injured and died a couple of days later, they're not on the wall. Right. There's 1,913 Allied names. There's 2,502 um, American names. So that's 4,415 names in total. Yep. And the way this is set out is that we've got the lines running towards the beach are the the channels effectively onto the five beaches, right. and the lines all meet on the beach at the top there. And then you've got a sort of a marble landing craft. Yeah, it's supposed to represent the Higgins boat. Nice. And this is always very bright during the summer because <laughs> it's polished concrete and um, it does get very bright and yeah, hot. And, and yeah. warm, yeah. <laughs> We're now getting close to what is simulating the um, the, the seashore and the and the and the beach as a as a prostrate figure. And the interesting thing is, what you've also got is you've got little spurts of water coming up, fountains coming up, and um, clearly symbolising bullets and yeah, yeah, small arms fire, yeah, and small arms fire. And if we're just quiet for a minute, you can probably hear it. Yep. Bursting up. Oh, it's incredibly effective, isn't it? Yeah. So the big thing about the, the D-Day Memorial is, is it's trying to um, symbolise um, valour, fidelity and sacrifice. Right. And so the three statues we've got here uh, are all to do with valour, fidelity and sacrifice. Now, a lot of these landing craft, the Higgins boats, they were flat-bottomed. Um, so they were very unstable. Of course. Um, they were made of wood. The only bit of metal apart from the engine on them were the, was the front ramp. And so um, the minute that ramp came down, you got a lot of, uh, of, of uh, machine gun fire in. So a lot of the yep. soldiers went over the side. Yep. Now, a lot of them were wearing anywhere between 60 and 100 pounds worth of, uh, pounds of kit. Yeah, so if you're going in too deep, you're going to drown mm -hmm. unless you've got a colleague close by who's going to, drag you out so we've got a statue over on the left which is the the infantryman who yep. um, jumped over the side he's he's waist high in water and he's he's um wading on struggling to get to the shore the beach, trying to keep his rifle yep. dry yep so that's our valor yeah we've got fidelity which is the statue on the beach itself it's um uh, an army medic yeah. Um, um, who is unarmed. He's, you can actually see a rifle underneath his feet, so he's actually stepping over a rifle. Yes. He doesn't want to be encumbered by 
um, any um, firearms because he's got a job to do. He's been protected by that other infantryman who's going up the beach with him. And then, unfortunately, you've got the, the sacrifice yep. of the, the death on the shore. Now, this is an interesting statue, and you'll probably be able to see it better when we get up onto the bridge, but there's a Bible um, up by the head of, huh. the, um, of, of the statue. And that's all down to um, um, the Hobat family. Um, Raymond Hobat um, was one of the Bedford boys. Him and, and Bedford, um, his brother, were both killed on D-Day. Right. Ray, Ray's body was never found. He was washed out to sea. And um, when they were clearing the beach, they found his pack on the beach. And it, inside it was the family Bible, which was oh. given to him by his mother. Oh. And um, they managed to get that back to his, his family. Still amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's still being handed down through the generations. It's not amazing. So Jim Brothers, again, who did this uh, sculpture, decided that he wanted to memorialize that. And not just not just the Hoback family, but there's a lot of other families who were in that sure. similar situation um, who would have received, you know, mementos from, from their, um, their fallen um, sons yep. at some point. And obviously you've got the kind of the backdrop of this of this this fountain and water feature and the simulation of the of the, of the beach are the sort of the bluffs of, of Omaha Beach but also um, German concrete in, That's, yes. emplacement yeah so they're, they're to, uh, to, to where the drawers were and the, um, the machine gun nests and, and stuff so they're, they're there to signify and Ponderhof in the centre yes yep um, it, that, that's supposed to represent Point de Hoc and the Rangers going up yep. um, to um, uh, to attack the, the the weapons on top. And again, you can see the valor, um, fidelity, and sacrifice of valor of the soldier going over the top. The fidelity of this soldier helping his comrade as he's yes. climbing, and then the, the sacrifice on the left. The bridge is supposed to represent the ship's railings. Oh, okay. Uh, on, on board ship. Yep. And the um, the, the railings at the top mm. are a replica of the um, railings at the American War Cemetery at Cobo. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's really effective, isn't it? Yeah. Really good. So we have a tribute to the Coast Guard as well, because a lot of people don't realise that the Coast Guard were there. There are some 2,000 members of the Coast Guard who were there to um, pilot the landing craft, but also to do what they do best, which is to save... Um, uh, soldiers and sailors from uh, from the sea. We've got a Coast Guard bell there in the mm -hmm. um, in that garden there is a memorial, and then behind it we've got a um, a large anchor which comes from the la uh, an LCT, so one of the large landing craft tanks. Oh yeah, look at that. Which were used. Um, they were deployed, and then they would ground themselves on the beach. That's right. They'd drop their, their ramp, they'd unload, and then they'd use the anchor to drag themselves off the sand. And then again, we've got flats over here um, for not just the Navy, but the Merchant Marines as well. I really do think, I think it's brilliant that all these people who are normally forgotten in the story are included in this. Um, you know, whether it be Rosie the Riveter, whether it be Tin Foil, whether it be. <laughs> A merchant marine. Yeah, incredible. And even the Mulberry Harbors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Plaques for different battleships that are taking part of it. Yeah. Um, so USS Augusta, the USS Nevada, USS Texas, USS Rich. Yeah. And Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the 
women's accepted for volunteer emergency service, waves, plaques for anyone who contributed to the to the event we try to recognize. Yeah. Yeah, quite right too. I'll tell you what, the Nazis would be really impressed with your standard of concrete. <laughs> That's very impressive. And then you've got your Piper reconnaissance plane. The Grasshopper L3. Yeah. And then we've also got um, flats um, for the... Uh, the Air, Air Forces. Force. Yeah. So this isn't part of... This didn't take part in D-Day, this particular aircraft, but it has got the D-Day markings on it. Right. So every plane, every aircraft, two days before... Um, D-Day itself, they hastily painted, hastily painted, um, <laughs> so that they knew that didn't have a repeat of Operation Husky, absolutely, in Sicily the yeah. year before. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's exactly it. So they they did rumour that they'd run out of black paint, black and white paint in Britain um, <laughs> just before D-Day. But they you, they would take they would use anything to to paint them on. Um, but it was very important that they yeah they they had that on. So what we've also got here, which we don't tend to include in the tour very much because of time constraints we've got a gold star memorial um, right down here and we've also got a memorial to um the pow mia so the prisoner of war um, missing in action right um so the the gold star memorial foundation are trying to get a gold star memorial in every state nice in, um in, yeah what in a america and it's lovely and leafy and shady i mean it's <laughs> it's a it's a really beautiful little spot isn't it it is. It's, it is beautiful. And what we've got on the front side, all the front sides of these memorials are, are, are identical. Um, but the rear of them are, are, are where it becomes more um, uh, tailored to, to, so to the area. And the Gold Stars, is, is, this is the Medal of Honor, is it? No, Gold Star is Gold Star families. So it's, um, it's a tribute to the families who, oh, okay. yeah, who, sacrificed, who sacrificed their loved ones. Um, as it says, who sacrificed a loved one for us. So literally, anyone who anyone who's lost someone in the Second World War get, is a Gold Star family. Anyone who's lost um, uh, a member of uh, in in any conflict is it? Yeah. It, so it, you have a Blue Star family as someone that has someone that's serving, and then if they're killed in combat or killed in service, then they become then they become a Gold Star family. family. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that, mm -hmm. and that's still the case now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, and what is that? And, and that's just a label. I mean, do, do, is there any more than that? A, I think it's a tribute to 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 their their sacrifice as right. much as it is to the sacrifice of the of the soldier, sailor, yeah. or um, you know, air force personnel that that, that lost their lives. Yeah. So it, it 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 it's a shout out to the to the families. Right. But you don't sacrifice. put a sort of a gold star tablet on the outside. They so can your house put a flag up. Uh, um, there's like little banners. Yeah. yeah that during oh, really? during World War II families would have, and I believe they they show briefly in Saving Private Ryan. They show it. They'd have these little banners that would have the amount of stars for how many sons you would have sent into conflict. So if right. you had two sons, you'd have two two blue stars, and then if one was killed then it would be a blue star and a gold star if right. both were. And so it's a way of showing everyone in co your community that you're all together because right. you all have these members of your family. Mm -hmm. But if someone passes away, you're still supporting the war effort, you. but you've sacrificed. You know, well, I'm ashamed to family. say I, I had no idea about oh, that. Oh, yeah, no. So when the shadow, when the sun falls in certain areas, you get the shadow of the soldier salute. Oh, I get it, right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so what I'm looking at is, uh, is, is sort of four slabs and, and between the first and the second, there's a kind of sort of a, a silhouette, which mm. now I'm standing in front of it, you can see as a, as a serviceman saluting. Mm. Nice. And this side is the um, is, is more to do with Bedford itself. So, right. Um, 
that that's a picture of Bedford from 1905. So you can see the peaks of Otter, which you yes. you can see over the back. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, we've got the families there. I think that was John Wilkes, wasn't it? I think they John think that um, John and Betty Wilkes, um, who were married just before um, they uh, he he was embarked to to Britain, and uh, John unfortunately part was was killed during D Day as well. And I think that that family photo there is um, the last picture taken of all the families uh, when they were down in Florida, I think, right. um, just before they embarked up to to get the um, get the ship across to uh, to Britain. We got the two archetypal sort of um, D-Day photographs there. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the temporary grave marker showing uh, the shingle on on Omaha Beach, which was later bulldozed off. Mm -hmm. Now just sand. That is the funeral of Frank Draper, right? Um, who was one of the Bedford boys. That was, that took place in 1948. So that right. was some four years after, because all the families were given the option to either leave their loved ones out in France yeah, or, repatriate. or, or pat, repatriate them. So they had to go through that whole mourning sequence mm. again four mm -hmm. years four years after the initial one. So yeah. it must have been quite tough. And one of the surviving Bedford boys, Ray Nance, is is, um, is there as well. And I'm looking through the the cutout on the on the on the marble slabs of the saluted figure, and beyond it is a bench, and and inscribed on the bench that says, "You are not forgotten." Mm -hmm. So, how many people do you get here a, a year, roughly? I mean, I suppose it depends because of COVID and everything. But uh, you know, say 2019 before it kicked off, uh, between like 55, 60,000. Okay, that's decent year. numbers, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's over a thousand a day. Yeah, for the you know for a small community off the beaten path. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely stunning, and over uh, above the the waterfall and the there's a great big archway with the black and white stripes of the of the underside of the planes, and it just mm -hmm. says Overlord. And that's where we're going next. And that's where we're heading now. <laughs> mm. So, do you think? I mean, Alex Kershaw's book was obviously a huge bestseller, and mm. Followed on from Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan and everything, but but I mean that must have played a huge part in making people aware of Bedford and the sacrifice and what happened to this small community. Yeah, I think I think because it had an international yeah. renown, yeah. didn't it? It sold zillions. Yeah, people outside of the community, especially, um, I think it really helped them become aware not just of Bedford itself, but the sacrifice of small communities. Yep. Um, in World War II, and so that is always a book I do recommend to people when we come when we come through or if I'm giving uh, school tours I mm -hmm. do try to recommend because he he does a great job not just of talking about the experience of the soldiers but the families as they learn that they're right. you know their sons their brothers have passed away sort of what that impact would be so it's yep. he does a very good job of showing how you know, gut-wrenching how you know how impactful it was for such a small town yeah so we're now walking up on a kind of sort of curved walkway that leads us above the the tableau up to the arch, marble arch. Again, there's a lot of concrete, but uh, that's obviously d very deliberate. That's supposed to simulate the bunkers, the strong mm. points of the Germans. And it's very effective, I've got to say. <laughs> and here's the big archway. And when you come up over the top, you see the soldier from the freeze that we saw yes, down below coming yes. over the top. Yeah, with his and Tommy gun. He's, he's racing towards the Victory Arch. But unfortunately, nice. before he reaches the Victory Arch, unfortunately, 
um, we again have that sacrifice. Yep. And this time, this this um, sculpture it's got the dog tags. See, we've got the dog tags. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before we can have victory, we've got to have sacrifice. So the arch is forty-four feet and six inches tall. <laughs> And of course. <laughs> I mean, that's just brilliantly done, isn't it? It's got overall Genius. written in gold at the top. Yes. As you said, it's got the white and black stripes of the D-Day markings from the aircraft. And the actual shape on the top is supposed to represent the view that the soldiers had as they went down into the, the French villages, the, the way the houses were, uh, the rooftops of the houses were as they came down. Around the arch, we've got the, the five beaches of yes. uh, Sword, Juno, Gold, Omaha, and Utah. And in the center, we've got the National D-Day Memorial uh, coat of arms, which again shows, um, commemorates um, valor, um, fidelity, and sacrifice. The valor in, in, is the lion. The fidelity is the... Um, the Tolbert, obviously the, the dog from mm -hmm. uh, all that heraldry. And then we've got the, um, the pelican, a sacrifice. Oh, why the pelican? Well, interesting. <laughs> so the, the, in medieval times, they believed that the pelican, if it ran out of food, in, able, in order to feed its young, it would tear strips off itself and feed its young with its own flesh. Wow. I never knew that. And there we are, we've got an engraving here that says, in tribute to the valour, fidelity and sacrifice of Allied forces on D-Day, June the 6th, 1944. Wow, and in the distance of the kind of sort of blue-grey hills and mountains of the Appalachians, a sort of canopy of a sort of sylvan wall mm. beyond. I mean, it's, it's, it's stunningly done. It really, really is. I can imagine in a kind of month or so, this is going to, Oh. Of change color and yeah. and around the outside of this whole thing, we've got the flags of all the allied nations. Yeah, um, and I usually give a map quiz, uh, a flag quiz to <laughs> um, to my tours to see what okay. whether they can uh, figure it all out. Well, yeah. Britain, they're all in alphabet. Britain, um, that's Polish, isn't it? it? Is that Poland, one, yeah. Um, Norway. Uh -huh. um, was that the Canadian flag as was? Or was that's that New Zealand? Zealand. That's, that's New Zealand. New Zealand, New Zealand yeah. Australia, France, um, Israel? Uh, Greece. Greece, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Um, France. Oh, that's France. That's the Netherlands. Uh, the Netherlands, Scotland. yes. Canada, uh, Belgium. That's Australia. Czechoslovakia. Yep. Yep. And then normally the American flag's on the, on, on the rock. Yeah, so where's that? Uh, down because of the death of the Queen and POW and MIA Day, which was on Friday. All right. So you haven't got the Union Jack at half mast. <laughs> no. You've got one more day. Oh. I always do it the other way around and leave the best till last. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, and we have plaques on the bottom of each one of the flags saying what each country contributed. So yep. whether or not it was a couple of ships or pilots or you know several thousand soldiers just to educate people that it was a coalition force, not just you know, the United States and the UK. Well, yeah, because there is a, but you know, the way, obviously one of the main reasons everyone thinks it's all, all an American show is because of, of Hollywood and TV <laughs> yeah, programs yeah. and all the rest of it. And, you know, I, I, you know, I would say that if you're going to stump up the money, then you're going to do a story about your own national experience. <laughs> so that's, you know, that, I don't have a problem with that at all. But I do think it's important to, that, that people do, you know, when you're coming to someone like this, that you do realise yeah. that it's a coalition job and different nationalities involved. And, course, you know, yeah. fantastic that you've got that all laid out. And here you've got another statue of so this is guys. Fidelity again. Yeah. 
You'll notice that on the, the finger, the wedding finger of the soldier is a gold ring. Nice. Now, I always get this story wrong um, <laughs> because uh, it's been told to me so several times by different people and they've always come up with a different story. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you know the story. Oh, I've heard it eight different ways yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. It's something to do with the, the wife of a D-Day veteran who right. had a, um, a wedding ring that she wanted put on a, within a sculpture or something like that. And so they use the, they supposedly use the gold on on that. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know whether that's the, the story. But well, I, it's I, a nice thought, isn't yeah, it, at the very I, least? I get lots of different. But also this is used as a memorial. So of people course. can buy flags and put names of of um, uh, of their their lost right. their loved ones on the on the flag planted. Yeah, and it's a good for you know, you've got various places around here where you can have focuses for memorials and services and whatnot. Haven't and we've got a memorial walk down here. Right. Well. The Hardy Davisons are arriving. <laughs> We get a lot of motorcycles because a lot of them are veterans and members of motorcycle clubs and veterans motorcycle yep. clubs. So we do get a lot of motorcycles come up here. And in fact, there was a, a chapter of a motorcycle chapter who supported the POW MIA um, memorial that we've got. So this is the memorial walk. So you can see the bricks, uh, and this is for anyone who um, who uh, families want to memorialise. Yeah, so I'm looking just... at this MP Bennett Senior, 69th Bomb Squadron, Corporal USAAF, World War II, 1941-45. Korean War, Vietnam yeah. War. Harold War. Bowers, US Army, 6669 Vietnam, 1st Infantry Division. What a lovely thing. And these bricks are usually dedicated on something like Memorial Day. Or okay, so you can still add. Yeah, yep, yep. People are donating money to have a brick put up for a loved one or a family member um, constantly. Yeah. Hmm. And what 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 is you know to to what's what's the retail for two bricks? Uh, two bricks. I'd have to ask. They're two hundred fifty dollars yeah. piece. Right. Uh, but yeah, and then they'll they'll donate. We'll get the inscription from them, and then they'll usually be installed on like Stuart said, nice. uh, Memorial Day or um, specific days so we can do them. Yeah, Veterans Day, so we can do them in batches instead of you know, one at a time. So this was a statue that was in Veerville. Oh, was it? Is it Veerville or Trevier? Trevier. Trevier, Trevier, sorry. Trevier. Yeah, so this was right. in Trevier. And this was so a so memorial it... to, they were like the Bedford of France. They lost a oh. lot of people during the First World War, a lot of, of men in the First World War. Um, so this was a statue in commemoration of, of them. It was mortared, as you can see. And they had, a, they wow, had to decide whether they wanted so to. So it's just ripped away the bottom half of the jaw yeah. of, the, of the statue. And it fell off of its pedestal when it was hit as well. So there's a famous lady in the, in the, from, from the it, French yeah. Revolution, isn't it? But in fact, it just makes it look even more... Yeah. And when it, yeah, when it had gotten knocked off the pedestal and damaged, the, the town had to decide whether or not they would repair it or put it back up. And they decided that they wanted to put it back up to show how fragile mm -hmm. peace is, how you know it can be easily destroyed and marred. Uh, and so this is an exact replica uh, of of that uh, to show sort of the similarities between. Because funny, they wouldn't give us the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were quite attached to it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. 
So that's, this is a lot of people's, they don't always get to see it on school tours and stuff. This is a lot of people's favorite statue. And we don't normally yeah. come down this far. We normally stop up at the arch and we tell, I tend to tell people about this because as we go on down behind the American flag, we've also got the Purple Heart Memorial. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And then on the left, we've got, um, we got Clement Attlee. Yep. And on the right, we've got Truman. So yep. we've got the presidents who took over after the yep. So well, I'm pretty sure when I crossed the Virginia border, it said Purple Heart State. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and so far as I know, at least according to the last research I did, it's the only bust or statue of Clement Attlee in the United States. So, so. I can think of someone. I can think of someone who will be very. Uh, my brother does a podcast called The Rest is History, and um, oh, yeah. Dominic Sandbrook is a big Clement Attlee fan. Oh, well, I'm, so I'll have to take a picture. Yeah. And, <laughs> And send it to him. So is that half mass for the Queen or for? Yes, it is. Is it? That and POW MIA, yeah. Half, oh. yeah, half, half staff, our garrison flag. So whenever oh. we have to put the put a flag at half uh, half staff, we'll put the, the one in the display fully down and have our garrison one halfway down. It's actually a really good bust, I have to say. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. The Truman one always scares me on the other side. So oh, that's yes. About good. As, about the lack of glasses, I think, is what. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that would throw you a bit, wouldn't it? <laughs> so that was instigated in 1782, was it? Mm-hmm. Well, they, didn't, they, um, they sort of re-resurrected it yeah. in the, in the first, during the First World War, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, so it, it was dormant for a time, yeah. yeah. And so the last one is Truman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does look a bit weird without his specs. I'm, I'm, I'm think about the lack of glasses, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It is. His eyes look hollow. <laughs> but yeah, to commemorate the, the men who took over after the after the big three. Well, I guess no one took over for uh, for Stalin, but who took no. over for the Americans and uh, and British. Well, listen, thank you for the tour. Pleasure. Yeah, I need to people around now and take lots of pictures, but yeah. that's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, what a place. I, I think our um, our education hut is open. So that's on the other side of where you went in to, to meet us. That has different artifacts. And we have a, a copy of, um, of Bob Slaughter's yeah. letter and a map that Rain Ants drew of his experience up the beaches. Okay. So feel well, free I'll to, to. I'll have to go and have a look yeah. at that. Um, and then if you have the time. Yep. Uh, I have. <laughs> uh, John and April would love to have your. Uh, their copies of your book signed. I have it back oh, in the. Of course. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let's go and do that now. Uh, right, but yeah. in the meantime, thank you very of much course, indeed yeah, for the. Course. Thanks for the tour. Thanks to all three of you to, um, um, to Mitchell, Sandra, and Steve. And uh, that's Cheerio from me from the D Day Memorial in Bedford, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs>